Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know Employee Cycle, we're the people dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people leaders out there streamline and automate your HR reporting and analytics process. We've heard your cries and we understand the pain and the time-consuming and tedious process you typically have of pulling all these spreadsheets from all your different HR systems, your HRIS, ATS, engagement, and performance to answer all your workforce questions. And you're always thinking there has to be a better way. Well, there is. So look no further. Please go to EmployeeCycle.com. Check us out. Learn how we have a people dashboard that has pre-built connectors to all the most important HR systems out there. Systems like Bamboo HR, namely Zenefits, ADP, Paylocity, Trinet, Greenhouse, 15.5, Lattice, Reflective, you name it. We can pull in all your data from all your different HR systems so you can view, track, share, and analyze all that people data in one place. Go to EmployeeCycle.com to check it out and make sure you get a demo today. So that's enough about me and our company because we have a great guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Sue Bong Peer. She's the author of The Essential Diversity Mindset. And today we're going to discuss how to move your diversity strategy to a mindset. Sue, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Sue, welcome! Thank you, Bruce, for having me here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So, Sue, we're going to ask you the question that we always ask to kick this thing off, and that is, how did you end up working in the wonderful world of HR? I actually have never worked in the HR function. However, I have over 30 years of experience in U.S. corporate world, mostly global multinationals, in strategic marketing branding, joint ventures, and later on my own as an executive coach. So I'm very aware of the dynamics of corporate world, workplaces. Got it. So so you just wrote a book, yes. The Essential Diversity Mindset. I couldn't ever picture myself writing a book. It seems like it's just way too much work. <laughs> it was a challenge. <laughs> right. Too much editing, and then you have to worry about multi-platform. Are you going to have it on Audible? Are you going to read it yourself? Are you going to have somebody else do it? Tell us a little bit about this process of how and why you wrote this book. I wrote it because based on my life experience, you know, I grew up in different parts of the world, worked with colleagues from all over the world. And what I learned was that we are so much more similar. We connect on our common bond, human essence. And diversity to me is really about how we come together as humans who are much more similar than different. And when I came to America, I came here as a college to, to start college. I started realizing a little bit about how people are labeled. And then through corporate world, I experienced not only myself, that everybody's putting into these boxes, 
I also experienced a lot of my colleagues from very different backgrounds, all races, had a resentment. They were afraid to say anything. Um, it was they were working with guardedness when it comes to the subject of diversity. And so I thought, gee, you know, it's important to have diverse representation, but we are mostly focused on matrix numbers. We are not taking account of the human dynamics that goes under, and that's what drives diversity outcomes. And look at where we are today. We're more divided after decades of doing the matrix system. So I'm not saying do away with it. What I'm saying is let's infuse human elements so that people feel more excited, more collaborate to push the diversity goals that we have to achieve. Um, So I wanted to share a different perspective of what diversity is all about. The book portrays that diversity is a mindset, not a formula. It's about how people feel, see, and interact with each other that creates a diversity climate. So that's why I decided to write a book. And I had no idea how challenging the book writing was going to be. But I am. (laughs) But you got it done. I got it done. Um, You have to get an agent. You have to get a publisher who is willing to publish your book. And then you have to spread words. So it's a lot of work. (laughs) So you were just talking about this diversity box or this diversity matrix that organizations put together. Talk to me about that. What is that? How does it work? Why do you use it? I, To me, you know, I have never been in those strategy work, but we, I am this, I was a receiver of the, that system. In years ago, when I believe the biases and prejudice and discrimination were so blatant, we had to do something. We had to enforce to bring people on board or diverse. That was a 60 years ago, and we haven't changed much of the framework. Mindsets changed, times changed, people have changed in my mind. And still, there are people who are with bias and, pre- and prejudice to human nature. It's all over the world. But when we are just looking at the numbers, and have the goals, so what percentage has to be on what type of people, employees, you're creating the separateness. The labels create separateness and divide people. We erase a unique human being behind the label. I grew up and luckily thinking and interacting with people regardless where the, what are their external differences, I connect and meet the human being behind it. You create human connection right away. When you, We are so focused on enforcement and creating you, us versus them mentality. It's very hard to foster the environment where people feel comfortable to come together. We have to, government, I mean, organizations must comply with the government mandates. Unless they change the strategy, 
we have to comply. But, you know, Bruce, with any kind of strategies in business, we have to assess and change and refine with the environment change, with the time, with people. But we haven't really changed that. So what I'm not saying change the metric system. I, what I'm saying is infuse the human elements so that people feel heard, empathized, and included. Inclusion is really more than just the numbers. Inclusion must be voluntary inclusiveness. We want to, we want to do it. You want to create an environment where people want to do it, not because they're forced to do it. It's like raising a child, right? If you foster them with empathy and understanding, they grow up differently with different mindset versus the kids who are punished all the time, judged, shamed. You know what the outcome is going to be. So to me, I think a diversity framework is not that different from human dynamics. Got it. So in your book, you're really talking about this diversity mindset and as a topic, we're distinguishing between the legacy, conventional, as you would probably say, antiquated diversity strategy and moving to the diversity mindset. So I would love if you could tell us what is the diversity mindset and what's the biggest difference between having a diversity mindset versus just having a diversity strategy. Diversity mindset my book, it's not theoretical. It's really portraying uh, through personal and human stories that delineate, delineate what divides us and what connects us. So diversity mindset is really the elements that bring together, right? Open-mindedness, empathy. And seeing people beyond, beyond labels, seeing people as just another human being who share our human essence. What divides us is damaging force of labeling. So we still have to work with the quota, still the boxes label, but we can also include what, how the employees feel, what Numbers do not tell what lies under. Employees want to be heard. Employees want to voice their needs. Right now, the environment is, is such that they're more afraid to talk. They are guarded. Uh, they're worried about legal implications. That's not diversity. Diversity mindset is about how we can voluntarily embrace differences so that we can thrive together in differences. That's the diversity mindset. So, for example, in companies, they can look through the, their uh, diversity programs and strategies and evaluate what activities are bringing on divides or what activities or programs are fostering connection. That would be a great place to start. Another great place to start is to truly understand how employees feel through an anonymous survey 
the employees are afraid to even do the surveys they, because they don't want to be traced. They don't want to be penalized. But we have to find what they really feel. And if employees know the diversity framework and strategies include their voice, you change people's attitudes, mindsets, and willingness to forward the diversity that we have to for, we have to advance. So I'm sure there's a lot of HR leaders out there thinking, this sounds great in an ideal world. Yes. But people have their own biases. They have their own thought processes. They think of the world and view the world through their own lens. And so it almost seems, quite frankly, impossible to really have everyone at a company to be totally open-minded and really internalize this diversity mindset. So with that being said, and if you agree with that, how do you go about getting employees to really buy into this? Well, first, right now, they're riding on distrust more than trust. And, you know, actually the top leaders must show through their actions. They have to take bold actions. I don't see anything wrong with actually doing the anonymous survey, not the results, not divided by races or any groups. When you do some things like that, you're disseminating message, very powerful message. Everyone matters equally. And businesses, the bottom line impact is driven by people, not by the formula. So changes take time. Personal changes take time. And when you talk about the group changes, it takes even more. But some of the messages that comes down, that changes, that shift. And it really comes down to the leadership. They can really embrace both, that we need to push the metrics, but we also have to push the people. At the end of the day, if people don't feel they're part of cohesive team pursuing collective goals, your bottom line is going to show. It's important to have a diversity. What, what does diversity mean? It's having not just the race, skin color, it's everything else, uh, the elements of all different aspects of humans. So I think if leaders take on some of these activities, and what's wrong with bringing people together? You know, when you divide people within a group or within a company, that's that separates people right away. And you create a lot of um, resentment. So, for example, any training, leadership training, bias training, anything, that applies to everyone. And like you said, there will be people who are biased and prejudiced. You know, we cannot change everyone. But if we can shift the climate, the mood, you can do so much more. And the leaders have to just sit back and see the results. After decades of this metric-driven system, where are we? That should be the catalyst for leaders to start looking and say, hey, what else can we do? Can we start something small to make some changes? Interesting. So when it comes to 
who's responsible for making this happen, do you think that HR should be the person or the function that's responsible for implementing this diversity mindset? No, I do not think so. It's a very challenging time for HR. They are being assessed by the numbers they produce, but they're also up against a lot of resentment. So diversity is permeating through every functions of the company. HR alone cannot change that. It has to come from the top. HR must work with the top leaders to convince them, to to strategize with them, say how we can move this, this diversity beyond numbers to bring people together so that we can have a better climate, better environment for people to thrive in together in differences, and it will also affect impact bottom line. You know, we've talked about a lot during this interview, which has been awesome. And I know that a lot of HR leaders out there are really getting a lot of value from this. But if there was one very specific thing that you would want someone listening to this interview to remember, if they didn't remember anything else, what would be that one thing that you would want them to go back to their organizations to think about? I will start with understanding where your employees are, regardless who they are, because they are the biggest asset for the company. I will start, they were not going to voice in this climate. You can do anonymous survey, tabulate it collectively. So that way, and make sure the responders are to know for sure that they're, they're not going to be traced. You will get so much what's going on in your company. And then according to that, you can stress, you can develop strategies and programs in the context of overall need to have certain matrix numbers. Because HRs, they, you know, assessed by that. But they can do, they can start the shifting the climate. Because when people are upset or afraid or guarded, you're not going to get most best out of them. And and it creates the not great, healthy environment to work in. People have to feel they belong. A sense of belonging is critical to have the, the, your force teams, the employees to want to give more. You want that. So if even if nothing much change, but if they feel they can voice, they're heard, that will make a huge difference. And HR is going to have to uh, join with different departments to execute that because they, they can just go and do the survey depending on the companies. I do not know, but I think it will be a great strategic move. Sue, thank you so much for being such a great podcast guest and for really going deep into a very important topic. I know something that's really important to me personally, but definitely something that's on the top of minds of a lot of HR and people leaders out there. So thank you so much, and we really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you. 
So, Sue, where can people find you and your book online? Um, it, the book is available for pre-order on um, Amazon, Barnes Nobles, Indie Books, and Bookshop. It's going to be available as of March 1st, this March, coming March 1st, 2021. And I can be found on my website, SuePierAssociatesWithS.com. Or my email, I'm happy to hear from people, Sue at SuePierAssociates.com. Just make sure my uh, Sue is spelled S-O-O. And that'd be great. Love to hear from people. Awesome. And we'll definitely include that information in the show notes. Okay. So for everyone listening out there, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Sue and I did making it, then please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because it shows that we're providing great content and that you care and you like us. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast interview, but you're now hungry for more episodes, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people ops leaders out there, Please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.